Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. No greater faction than the action movie scene. Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. Your satisfaction, action on the silver screen. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I'm your host Scott Wiley and you're listening to the Action Addicts Podcast. Today on the show we're going to be talking about Mortal Kombat in all of its various forms, faces and places. For whatever reason, Mortal Kombat has had a very weird history when it comes to getting live action adaptations of the video game. Uh, There have been TV shows, both live action and animated, There have been three theatrically released movies, and there have also been a number of web shows that kind of still exist, but kind of don't. If you don't know what I'm talking about, they were Mortal Kombat Rebirth and Mortal Kombat Legacy. Now, because of the weirdness that is the internet, they were hosted on YouTube during a period of time when everything decided all of a sudden that web shows were the way to go. They were these really short like 10 to 15 minute episodes that were standalone and then they weren't in the second season. They all just became one run longing storyline. So it was kind of like, why bother? And uh, trying to find them now, they're not on what they used to be on because it was on the YouTube channel Machinima, which if you're a certain age will be a name that you're familiar with because once upon a time they were kind of like the king of YouTube when it came to premium content. It's the channel that a lot of official stuff chose to go to and it was a big network back when YouTube networks were much more prominent and a thing than they are now they've pretty much completely gone if I'm honest but that was just one example of the very many weird ways in which they've tried to bring Mortal Kombat back to the screen after it kind of died a death in the late 90s with Mortal Kombat Annihilation with a third film Mortal Kombat Devastation I believe was its name That was long rumoured, but never actually came, sort of. See, if you actually look into the planned script for Mortal Kombat Devastation, well, it actually has quite a lot in common with the Mortal Kombat film that came out in 2021, specifically in the way that the tattoos are like dragons and that they're where they get their powers from, and that when they die, they pass it on to somebody else. There's a lot of plot points that clearly were recycled from that script that's been just hanging around for a very long time. And there's a really long uh, story to do with the fact that one of the producers that was originally involved with the first two Mortal Kombats was attached to the third one because he was kind of the guy that brought it all together. Well, his name is still attached to MK2021, even though he didn't actually directly make this one. So clearly he's somehow still involved and I suspect that's why some of the plot points are recycled. But that's kind of irrelevant. The point is today we're going to mostly talk about Mortal Kombat 2021 but we are also going to talk about the 1995 adaptation. We don't really go too much into Annihilation because in all honesty trying to talk about three films in one podcast is... Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a good idea. Originally, we were going to do a deep dive on the franchise as a whole, but there's so much stuff, we'd have to do it over multiple episodes. And maybe we will. Maybe there will be a follow-up where we will actually go into 
the live action TV show Mortal Kombat Conquest, the two web series, you know, Legacy Season 1, Legacy Season 2, and the Rebirth short that started it all, and perhaps we can even talk about the animated show, even though I don't think anybody's interested in that, because man, it was not that good. But either way, today we are going to be just talking about Mortal Kombat as a whole, whether or not we think that this had a very good run, because in all honesty, the world has changed. In the 90s, Mortal Kombat was, without a doubt, in my opinion, the best video game adaptation made into a film. Now, for a very, very long time, I would still say it kind of held that crown, but at long last, it seems that Hollywood has changed and that they've finally started to realize how to adapt video games for big screens, but they still don't don't do it perfectly, but I think recent efforts such as Detective Pikachu, Sonic the Hedgehog movie, being the two most obvious examples, show that they are now beginning to understand how to do this. Um, it also lends itself to the fact that I think people are starting to realize that actually they don't need to change what's already working in order for people to identify and like it. I know that some people still believe that the Sonic the Hedgehog's horrific original design was intentional to generate hype and that they already had stuff changed. That has kind of been debunked several times by people that work in the visual effects industry because, you know, it was kind of an all-hands-on-deck situation in order to rectify that disaster that thankfully they succeeded on. And, you know, the second film is coming out soon. You know, there's so many films in the video game adaptation market that are just terrible. They're just flat out terrible. Some are so terrible that they're good, but most are just terrible. Even successful franchises like the Resident Evil series, yeah, they make money, and yes, they seem to somehow have had an audience for a very long time, but you can't say they're good adaptations of the source material. And unfortunately, the same team that made those films then made a Monster Hunter film, which really just was... Uh, it just had all the same problems for me as Resident Evil, which is that, you know, they they tease you with stuff from the games if you know it, but most of it is relegated to the last five minutes of the film and maybe one action sequence where they'll use for the trailers. But everything else is just completely made up, has nothing to do with the games. None of it tracks at all with the story, the lore, the setting, the characters that are established already. They just make up new stuff, completely change everything, do what they like and slap the name on it and hope that it sells enough before people realize. So I'm going to hand you over to me and my guest for today. And uh, today we have a very, very special guest. You will hear his introduction, obviously, when it starts. But I just want to say today's guest, Brendan, is a very good friend of mine personally. If you're a video gamer, you're probably going to know him already. He has a very successful YouTube channel. He's also a very successful Twitch streamer partner. If you aren't familiar with him and you like that sort of stuff, I highly recommend you check him out because he's probably one of the most positive, energetic people that you're ever likely to meet. And yeah, lots and lots of love out go out to Brendan. Thank you very much, dude, for being on because I know that you listen to the show. And uh, we had a very, very good time talking about Mortal Kombat, so... Here we go. I'm going to throw you over to us now. Enjoy, and I will see you for the outro. (laughs) 
And thank you, me, for that amazing intro. I know I did a fantastic job, but enough about me. We're here today to talk about Mortal Kombat! Because... <laughs> <laughs> I had to! I had to! <laughs> you going? <laughs> oh, that's it. That's all, that's all I got. Oh, okay. Because uh, you can't say Mortal Kombat without that happening at least once. And as you can mm-hmm. already hear... I am joined by a very special guest today, a good friend of the show and a good friend to me. Introduce yourself to the people who are likely not going to know you, given that uh, you come from a different circle of the online community. <laughs> Thank you for the intro. I appreciate that. Uh, what's the crack, lads? Uh, so I'm known as DB Geek Online. Uh, if you want to know my real name, it's Brendan. Uh, I make videos and streams about video games. So technically, this is kind of related because we're talking about. Mortal Kombat. So it is an area that I think I can talk about it with passion. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Love this podcast. Big fan already. Woo-woo. So looking forward to talking all things Mortal Kombat, the, the, the good and the bad, and definitely the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure that film will be coming down the line later on, ladies and gentlemen, at some point. At some point. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's safe to say that this was spurred on by, uh, how do I put this diplomatically, our receptions to the latest 2021 attempt at making a live action Mortal Kombat film. Yes, you'd be 100% right there. Um, it's just it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's like, it's it's such a popular franchise and there's there's so much to it and there's so much history. And when it comes to video game movies, they don't have good rep anyway. So you always go in with low expectations, regardless of what game they're going to make a movie about. But Mortal Kombat is something that's near and dear to my heart uh, and yourself. And it's just something that I really, really like passionately want done well. Like it deserves the MCU treatment. It deserves it. It has so much history and there's so many characters that you can explore, so much lore and then the 2021 movie came out. And yeah, I'm just glad I set my expectations low. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that's the... I don't think we're alone in that. Um, I, I have listened and heard and read very, very similar points of view to how we responded. Although, admittedly, I think it's safe to say in the action community, the biggest disappointment for us is that they assembled a cast of people that can truly kick ass and the people working behind the scenes were some of the best choreographers some of the best stunt guys some of the best people in the business but you know behind the camera and in front of the camera and then uh uh, and i I really don't like saying this because it really sounds like i'm putting it all on one guy but i'm sure it wasn't his or her decision but it got absolutely crucified in the editing and I mean, oh, yeah. that opening fight between Sub-Zero and Scorpion, I mean, I counted even before the memes came out. And I think, if I remember correctly, there's one particular shot. It's like five seconds long, but it has 17 different cuts to yep. show you these characters moving from one side of the screen to the other. And it's like, this is the opening fight. This bodes well for all the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was one of my biggest issues of the film was the unnecessary cuts man the editing was dude i could have done a better job in the editing man it was just so bad um and it just it it just i don't know what it is but the editing just throws you off big time with the amount of cuts that are in it 
and the fight scenes, you can't get invested in them because, you know, you, you see a punch coming and then it's cutting to a kick all of a sudden. It's like, come on, dude. This is Mortal Kombat. It's based on a fighting game. Give me a good fight. <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> One fucking thing this whole thing is about is a fighting game. Give me a fight. Like, come on. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I understand that opening fight scene as well. And the worst thing about it is that opening scene, right? Let, let's talk about the first 10 minutes of Mortal Kombat 2021. I loved it. I loved the first 10 minutes, you know, the setup, you know, the, the, the atmosphere. And it felt like this was going to be an origin story. This is, this is where it's all going to start. This is where we get introduced to Scorpion, uh, Hanzo for the first time. We're going to get all this backstory of this amazing character and why he became Scorpion. And that that was it. I was like, oh, is this going to be better than I thought? Like, did I set my expectations low? I'm going to come out here a happy Mortal Kombat fan. Well, that changed dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can say, because I was hooked in. I was hooked in at the start. I love the setup. Um, but then the fight scenes started happening. And that's when my smile quickly turned into just a neutral facial expression. Yeah. To me, it's the same as like, um, I'm pretty sure you've seen this. And if not, you need to. But I'm sure you've seen The Raid, right? I've seen The Raid. I love The Raid. Yes. Um, but can you imagine The Raid, but every few seconds they just cut? It, it, that's yeah. what it feels like for me. It's like you get this mm -hmm. amazing group of people together that are the best at what they do. And then you just go, ah, nobody wants to see that. You know, like the only way this could have been worse is if they added shaky cam. So you couldn't even fucking see what was actually in the cuts. Yeah. <laughs> so I probably would have preferred that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you couldn't see how good it was yeah. that you were missing. <laughs> yeah. So I can just say, oh, maybe it was good. I just couldn't tell with the shaky cam. <laughs> um, uh. Yeah. Look, it's. It is what it is. Like, I've been a Mortal Kombat fan for a long time. That being said, I haven't played every single game. There's a lot of Mortal Kombat games, but I played the ones that matter, you know? And the one thing that I think a lot of people, it just goes over their head with Mortal Kombat. Their memories with Mortal Kombat is just the fatalities, uh, the, the, the colorful characters that are in it and how each fighter is different and well, all that stuff. But truth be told, it's the first yeah. three games. Yeah. Where there, where there is basically no story. Yeah, there is basically no story. But even at that, even if there's no story, as a kid, I was always fascinated by these characters and almost made up stories for them. Just, the, you know, based on their moves and their overall persona and all that stuff. And eventually you get into the lore stuff where you, each character has a little bit of backstory and everything comes together. And I think that's what made Mortal Kombat so special to me is the more games that came out, the bigger and more richer the story became. Um, and it's one of those things that I think most people just let go over their head with Mortal Kombat is the fact that it has a really, really good story. Each character has such a fascinating story and it all intertwines into this one grand thing, which is Mortal Kombat. And I just I just hate that we just can't get a film that's done justice to this lore, you know? Well, I mean, I would say that the original 1995 film did because obviously when it came out most of the lore didn't exist ed boone has said multiple times that he took a lot of the story that did become mortal kombat lore from that first film obviously not everything and some of it doesn't quite gel 
But um, yeah, I think the first film did a genuinely good attempt. The problem was is that they then followed that up with Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which... Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> someone recently tweeted that um, it's more like a feature-length episode of Power Rangers, and I never realized quite how accurate that was until I rewatched it. And I went, oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I dare say Power Rangers had better special effects. And um, I never thought I'd say that about a Hollywood feature film. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, though. I agree, though. The 95 film, that is childhood at its finest right there. And it was one of those things. I think it, it was genuinely the film that ignited my love for Mortal Kombat, I think. I did play the games, of course. I played the original MK, MK1, 2, and 3. I love those games. I love them to death. And, you know, the fact that they came out around-ish similar times, obviously the games came out first, but as a kid, all of that kind of meshed together, you know? But the 95 film, I agree. There's great story in that. Uh, introduction to characters are, are very good. Liu Kang is fantastic in that film. Shang Tsung is fantastic in that film. I love the idea of him avenging his brother and the whole story leading up to the final battle it's just pure adrenaline. It's pure adrenaline. And it's what essentially is the spirit of Mortal Kombat. Um, but then, of course, Annihilation came out, which is just a huge cash cow. And yeah, for the first little while, the film probably, you know, it sold tickets because it's the sequel of something great. But going back and watching Annihilation now, I just wish it never existed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I just wish it didn't because they're making you think that this is a sequel to something that was already so great and it's really not it's really not my uh my favorite fact about um annihilation is the the now well-renowned and horrifying special effects of them turning into the monsters or the animals whatever you want to call them oh god yeah i didn't well I, I don't imagine many people did know but that i recently in some documentary somewhere learned that the reason they're so horrific is because they're not finished. Um, and I don't mean as in they ran out of time or they, they didn't have... No, no, no. That's supposed to be the first pass, but they did a test screening and the test audience allegedly thought it was good, so the studios thought they could save some money by just not having them go back and finish them. Oh, do you know what? It's not even hard to believe because no. it's that awful. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, it, it, I mean, it wouldn't have made any difference. The film would have still probably bombed, even if, you know, the effects were slightly better, because that isn't the only issue with that film. But <laughs> Yeah, no, but the 95 film is pure nostalgia and watching it now, it's still it still holds up regardless. Um, I just love it. I just love the adrenaline and the characters and this. It's just there's great acting in it as well, you know, and uh, like you said, at the time, they didn't really have much to go on when it came to a story. So they done a pretty good job putting something together that was, I think, worthy of the Mortal Kombat name, you know. But then, of course, Annihilation, that's forgettable or whatever. But then we have the, the 2021 film, the film that I was like so excited about as soon as I heard it was announced. Um, and the fact that James Wan was going to be producer i had so much high hopes because i knew that you know visually the film was probably going to be very good and uh, they were going to get a cast of characters that i wasn't too familiar with but i had high hopes for that because sometimes you'd be surprised when you get unknown actors into a film and how well it does um because you know you don't have anything else to go by from their past career or anything like that and it just gives a fresh perspective of a character but then 
the film just it just it was just a it was just a a ball of mush you know it really was it like yeah had so much and they just tried cramming everything into a film and on top of that creating an original character that i couldn't give two shites about yeah i really couldn't i, I, I was so i was confused. wondering when we were gonna get around to cole young like yep. i i literally have the description of the film here open on my phone on imdb because if i describe the film of MMA fighter Cole Young seeks out Earth's greatest champions in order to stand against the enemies of Outworld in a high-stakes battle for the universe. Aside from the fact the word Outworld is there, if you gave me that in a quiz, I would never guess that that was about Mortal Kombat. Yep. It's Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, though. The first, like I said, the first few minutes, like, it could have been done so much better. We could have just focused on scorpion and sub-zero they're they're feud you know the whole film could have just been scorpion and sub-zero that would have been fine for me mm -hmm. you know and eventually lead to a mortal kombat film and i've had this conversation with so many people about mortal kombat it's got so much story and lore that you could make multiple films of multiple characters yep. and essentially make an mk universe yeah you know and i think that's something that they should have done focus on a, a small amount of characters first. You can have the Shira Ryu, the Lin Kuei. You can have the Shaolin Monks as a separate film. And then you can have, of course, um, Jax yep. as well as yeah, in, have, in his have, own film. Have the special forces going up against the Black Dragons, doing the Red Dragons yep. with the Civil War. Yeah, this is the thing, guys. When we say that there's lore, we're not just we're not just saying it generically. Every character in this film has inbuilt rivalries, allies, friendships, love, romances. There's a film to every character in Mortal Kombat, and there's over 60 of them. So yep. why did they make a new one? Well, this is this is the thing. And the worst thing about Mortal Kombat 2021, there isn't even a Mortal Kombat. <laughs> like, why did you call a film Mortal Kombat when there's no Mortal Kombat? Like, it's just, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Like, you're just trying to feed into the people that have no knowledge about Mortal Kombat at all, and you just want to give them an action film of some kind with, with characters that are a bit out there. But there's so many great characters in this that could have their own respected stories, and every character in Mortal Kombat has an incentive to be in the Mortal Kombat tournament. Everybody is fighting for something. Yes. You know? And, and, it, and it doesn't involve uh, dragon tattoos. Yeah. Oh, God, let's do it. start with the dragon tattoos. <laughs> I know that that genuinely annoyed oh me because at first yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that's actually, I was kind of like, oh, that's a clever idea, actually, because it, it works in the logo. It gives a reason as to why random people have powers and it explains how they all find each other. And then they were like, oh, and this is Sonya Blade. Yeah, she doesn't have one. Right. Yeah. Okay. One of the original characters doesn't have one. Yep. Yeah. yeah okay <laughs> i was with you on that I, I wasn't completely against the idea i like how it connected them all in some sort of way um but then sonya didn't have one and i was like wait what and then out of nowhere kano shows up kano has one and it's like i know kano is an og character as well but i don't i think if you're going to choose anybody that didn't have one it wouldn't be, it would be kano and yeah sonya would have one and then you realize how kano actually got his because <laughs> because he killed somebody and then it transfers the tat it was just i, I don't know why this was a, a decision in the writing i just i have no idea like 
oh, I just anyway. Let's... But I will say, Kano for me was the highlight of the film. Like I, yes. I just want a film of him, even regardless of what happens to him at the end. I would happily just have a film where he plays Kano doing uh, underhanded things with a lot of crass at the same time, and I'd be happy. Yeah, no, I, I am 100% with you there. Kano, I think, was the most entertaining character in this. He was the most consistent character, let's just say that. Yeah. And whenever he was on screen, he, he stole that entire scene. And he just he just radiated Kano for me. And I just love that. So he was perfect for Kano. But unfortunately, Kano was in a shit film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, I think that applies to most of the cast. I, I do actually like most of the cast. And, you know, there's some very well-known people in the martial arts world in this film. Obviously, Joe Taslim was Bihan Sub-Zero. And you had uh, our boy Lou Lin as Liu Kang, also known as the Black Power Ranger from 2017's reboot. Mm, yeah, And uh, Max Huang as Kung Lao. I love those two as the Shaolin monks. I mean... Both of those guys did a fantastic job. I just think that the film didn't really know what to do with them. It, uh, Liu Kang being in a film where Liu Kang isn't the main character when Liu Kang is supposed to be the chosen one really annoyed me. I know that in some mm -hmm. versions that they make Kung Lao this arrogant prick, but I don't think that really worked when you have a completely unknown character. Kano sort of is a good guy already an arrogant prick. And then you just have these random assortment of character personalities. And I mean, I think I speak for everyone when we all assumed that Cole Young's connection with Scorpion was going to make him have something to do with becoming Scorpion, maybe. But they already had, you know, Sonata Hiroki playing Hanzo Hasashi, and he was still there. So it was kind of like, I don't understand what's going on anymore. But yeah. the funny thing is, Mortal Kombat Legacy, the YouTube series, did this storyline already. It literally gave us the fight between the Lin Kuei and the Shirai Ryu. And they did exactly what you just said. And they focused on one story per couple of episodes. And you just, and I genuinely, when I was watching it in the cinema, went, are they just ripping off Legacy? Because so many of the story elements seem to have been pulled directly from that web show. And it, I don't understand how a tiny web show that wasn't really that great managed to do a better job. Yeah, well, it just comes down to the amount of story that each character has. You can't, you can't just throw them all into a film. You know, you you just you just can't throw them all into a film and expect everybody to know what's going on. Just because a franchise is hugely popular doesn't mean the audience is gonna be sold on these characters being in one film straight away. There's there's too much to focus on, and you can't just have Scorpion and Sub Zero show up at the start and then at the very end expect people to be happy about it you do not open a film with such great characters and two of probably the most popular characters in the mortal kombat franchise and then forget about them for the entire film and just introduce a lot of random characters and then expect us to be happy with it it's yeah or you know the the absolute travesty that was the treatment of reptile oh yeah and you know what i was excited at that scene when i was gonna i, I knew this was gonna be reptile and then i seen reptile <laughs> I, I'm secretly hoping that that was just one of his species, but not actually the reptile. Technically, again, that shouldn't be possible with the lore, but, you know, they're clearly not following the lore, so do what you like, guys. Uh, and the other thing as well is, like you said, the, the one character that neither one of us have even mentioned is the fact that Shang Tsung is in this film, but he does nothing in this film other than kill 
Kung Lao, which is the only decent bit of the film that makes his him worth anything. Otherwise, he just kind of walks around uh, listfully, just sort of saying shit. You know, it's like he's completely inconsequential to the film. Comparison to the 95 film, where Shang Tsung was a big part of the film. He was the main antagonist. He drove the plot. And it's like you said, why does a film from 30 odd years ago do a better job than the one made last year? It's just, uh, I guess they just didn't know what they were doing. I feel like there was no real passion put into this film. There was very little knowledge going into this film. And it shows. It it really, really shows because we could sit here all day and talk about what we want to see in a film. But at the end of the day, it's all about the right director, the right producer, the right writer, and the right editor, especially for this film. And it just they just didn't have it. They didn't have the right people and the right talent to make a film like Moral Combat, something that I think the Moral Combat fans of generations deserve. Yeah. And you, you know, know it, yeah. Go on. No, no, you, you go. You no, go. I was just going to say, like, you, you make a great point, because obviously um, James Wan was the producer of the film, but I don't think either one of us have said who the director of the film was, because naturally, if you're going to bring a big multi-million dollar production film, feature film adaptation of a beloved video game franchise that's been going for 30 plus years, and in and of itself has made billions of dollars, you naturally want to get somebody, you know, the right guy with the right experience. So the, the director was uh, Simon... McQuaid. I thought his name was McQuaid, but obviously it's McQuaid. And um, let me just pull up everything he's ever directed. Uh, Mortal Kombat. Yep. That's it. I think if you go into Wikipedia, it actually says uh, known for Mortal Kombat 2021. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, no. To be fair, he did also direct The Nighttime Economy, which appears to be a one minute short. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that that's that's all the preparation I would need, you know. Yeah, because as I said, I was excited when I heard James Wan was producing because um, that is a big name in the industry. And then I didn't have a clue. Like, who, well, then who's directing it? And I, look, I looked at the director and I still hadn't a clue who that was. Looked into some of the history of this character or this person and they specialized in advertisements or something like they didn't really any experience in movies at all. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, who thought that was a good idea? And, and I must stress, folks, I'm, this episode is the most negative one that we're ever likely to do. And I'm, we're, we're not deli- we're not picking on him. We just don't understand what the decision process was from a studio level of why they got who they got. Um, it's not an individual to blame. It's the studio system that built this weird mesh. Like you, you described it perfectly earlier. It's just this big mushy ball of stuff with no real clear design. It's like you need a blueprint before you can start building, you know? Yeah. I see. The thing is, right, we're not talking negatively about anybody. And I'm sure uh, Simon or whatever his name is, is 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 quite talented individual. I just feel like when it comes to this and a studio, they need to find the right talent for this sensitive franchise, I want to call it, because it it has been around for so long, as you said, 30 years it deserves the right talent. It deserves the right people on the job. So the fans get what they deserve for being fans for so long, you know? And this, this obviously, this, this, this podcast, this episode, you have two people that have lived and breathed Mortal Kombat for many, many years. I would like to say for the entire 30 years. 
yeah. of the franchise. Thanks, so, of, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a reminder there. But of course, we're going to be very passionate when it comes to the stuff that we didn't get because we're fans and we have been for a long time. And Mortal Kombat is something that I've always talked about as a kid that I'd love uh, a proper a proper live action adaptation. The 95 one was good, but like a more modern take on it with, with the technology that we have now, the CGI technology that we have now, the, the incredible talent we have in the industry. And it can be done so well because it's so rich with story, as I've said before. And the fact that we didn't, we didn't get that in 2021 is so disappointing and disheartening. And they're not even going to re- reboot this. They are still planning a sequel for this film. And I'm not excited for it. <laughs> no, I um, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think they can save it. I think they could still do something with it. I just... <sighs> I, I feel like they need to have a very, very hard reevaluation. Personally, the first thing I would do is bring in a director that actually can direct action horror. My pick would be... Uh, ah, shit, I'm going to have to look up his name. Yeah. <laughs> but it does come down to talent at the end of the day. It does. It comes down to the people that know the stuff. Yeah, my, my pick would be uh, Timo. And now I've looked it up. I'm realizing, well, I couldn't remember his last name. So uh, for the benefit of the people listening, I'm not going to butcher his last name. So I'm going to say the person that directed The Night Comes for us, because it is you will know who I mean. Uh, and funnily enough, Joe Taslim, who played Bihan, is the main character of that film. So they work oh. very well together. And uh, if you haven't seen The Night Comes for Us, I would highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's very much in similar vein of The Raid, and it also has Eco in it as the antagonist. Um, okay. But that film is very, very much a hardcore martial arts film with a lot of blood and gore, and it doesn't shy away mm. from it, which is exactly what Mortal Kombat needs to be able to do. It doesn't have to be the entire thing. I mean, I think everybody likes to see the really flashy kung fu aspect of the flowery martial arts, but... You need somebody that isn't afraid and has the experience to direct that kind of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. Gareth Evans, who did the raid, would be another great pick, but um, mm-hmm. he's busy. I know, I know, he hasn't got any time free. <laughs> yeah, but that, that, that's the thing, though. If you don't get the right team of people working on something that is so popular, if this, if nobody knew what Mortal Kombat was, this film would be all right. It'd be fun. It'd be a popcorn flick. I, I'd watch it for. For the sake of the fun of it. But it's Mortal Kombat. It's it's well known. It's well known. Even outside the gaming space, it's well known. Even if you're not a fan of Mortal Kombat, you've heard of it. That's how popular it is. So if you're if you're gonna get a team of people that don't really have the same passion as the community has for it or doesn't have the same knowledge, then you're gonna be doing a disservice to the Mortal Kombat community. And unfortunately, MK 2021 is a disservice to the Mortal Kombat community when it comes to the story. It's just, it just isn't it. Um, but I hope the sequel is going to maybe possibly retcon some things and fix some things, and maybe they'll they'll change the director and it might go a better route, or maybe MK 2021 is an alternative universe <laughs> or something, you know, and it could really bring it back because it, it, it does deserve it does deserve the, the fully fledged treatment. I think uh, the weirdest thing about the sequel is the fact that they teased Johnny Cage at the end of the, the first film. Yeah. And whilst yeah. I'm very excited to see Johnny Cage, it's not like he's traditionally ever been 
a really like a main character like yeah i think in mk x he was kind of like a main character for like five minutes where he beat shinnok but um mm-hmm. it, it's it, i don't understand why they hyped that up so much it was like hey look a character you actually know unlike me um let me go and get him for you you know it was kind of it was so weird i mean yeah I what, that, what was the line uh we're going to hollywood or something. yeah 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 that was it <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I know so many people want Scott Adkins to play Johnny Cage. And, uh, if that does happen, cool, but I'm pretty sure they're, they're MCUing this shit and they want someone that's going to play the role for 10 to 15 years. And as much as I love Scott Adkins films, he's not that young anymore. In 10 to 15 yeah. years, he'll be in his sixties, I think. Um, yeah. so it's, it's, uh, I would love him to be involved. I mean, of course, but I just don't think it's going to, I don't think they'll pick him. And I, I'm terrified oh. of who they will pick. <laughs> Quite frankly. I did. I, I did hear some people talking about it and wanting to see Ryan Reynolds be Johnny Cage. Oh God. <laughs> and I'm like, I can see why, because it's Ryan Reynolds and the, the sarcastic uh, humor and the narcissism and, and all that stuff. But no, no, like it just looks so out of place. As much as I like Ryan Reynolds, I I can't see that happening. No, I can't. I can't imagine that because everybody else in the film, you know, they're not obviously Ryan Reynolds is one of these a list a listers, like hugely hugely popular dude. I don't see him being in Mortal Kombat at all, to be honest with you. Um, but I don't know who I would cast as Johnny Cage. But as you said, it was just a bit weird that they ended it on. Uh, foreshadowing Johnny Cage is the next fighter for the Mortal Kombat, and as you said, he's not like like when when I when when people say Mortal Kombat, first thing first characters I think of is Sub Zero, Scorpion, Liu Kang. They're they're the first three I always think of when I think of Mortal Kombat. And yeah, we we already got them introduced into the 2021 film, um, but there is so many other characters that they could tease for for a sequel that would make me a little bit more excited. But you know. It is what it is. It's done yeah. now. I mean, like I said, I, there just I, there are still things I like about this film. I mean, I think the way they handled Sub Zero and his powers was per- perfect through the whole film. Mm-hmm. Um, some might even say flawless. But uh, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where one aspect of a of a film that doesn't quite work for me isn't going to redeem it. And like you say, Kano, Sub Zero, well, most of the actors, to be honest, they're stuck in a film that just didn't work for me but at the same time like you say they're making a sequel because i think it did make money um and it's just one of those things where will the sequel still make money if it's the same or or now that films are releasing again because bear in mind when Mortal Kombat came out it was during the drought of the pandemic mm-hmm. when it actually has some competition will it make money you know, it's going to have to step its game up, I think, because so many other films have come out since and will come out around its time of release, I think, that will challenge it. I mean, not to go off on another tangent, because depending on when this episode goes out, people may or may not have heard my thoughts about this, and I'm very tentative to mention it, but The Matrix Resurrections was not perhaps the film that people wanted, but I'm sure that John Wick 4 and 5 will likely get a big reception. So it's one of those things where just being Mortal Kombat might not be enough if you've got these big action films sneaking their way around the corner. 
Yeah, it's a it's a dangerous space that these characters of Mortal Kombat are in in the live action space because we have the MCU and we already have these colorful characters that have their own stories and they all have their own special abilities and all that stuff. So it is already a saturated place to be um, to introduce the, the likes of Mortal Kombat, but it doesn't mean they can't do it because this could be a gritty, darker version of what the MCU has. And it is something that I think would attract a wide audience if the story is told correctly. Like I said to you earlier, like a Mortal Kombat universe of characters would definitely work a lot better because we remember the MCU started off with a a superhero not everybody was familiar with, Iron Man. No, Not everybody knew who Iron Man was. Yeah, me and you did. Hardcore (laughs) Hardcore Marvel fans know who Iron Man is. But he got his story. He got his origin and it sold. People liked it. And then people heard that other superheroes are going to be a part of this grand universe and it just worked it just catapulted as the years went on and i feel like if you lead mortal kombat with characters that are so interesting aka scorpion sub-zero give them a fantastic origin story people are going to automatically want to see what other characters are going to be involved with these characters and what's the end result going to be what is this mortal kombat and it'll eventually lead to the mortal kombat tournament which is going to get the avengers treatment you're getting all of the characters that we've already been introduced to we know all their stories and all of this stuff and they're going to be going into one movie it's going to sell tickets and it would it would definitely work if the right people were behind it and it was approached the right way no i agree i I, we'll have to just wait and see at the end of the day but um i i am curious though because you you mentioned the effects and doing things the right way so that uh I have two questions for you. We'll start with the, the what I suspect will be the shorter of the two. Blink and you'll miss him, but obviously Goro was technically in MK2021. So mm-hmm. uh, my question for you is, which Goro is better, 21 or 95? That's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, Goro back then was all right. I was sold by it. I was sold by it. The demeanor... Obviously, the Goro in 2021 is obviously more Goro-esque, more monstrous or whatever, and less puppety as the 95 one was. See, yes and no, because like you say, although, yes, the 95 one is quite clearly a a big puppet, but that made him look much more monstrous and menacing because he was physically Mm. there and he was massive. The biggest problem I had with the 21 one that's a weird sentence, was uh, the fact that, A, he just wasn't physically imposing. He didn't seem big enough. But also, he got killed so easily. Like, this is Goro, the 500-year-old half-dragon that has won nine of the last Mortal Kombat tournaments. And they were just like, mm-hmm. nah, if we give this guy some like Kevlar body armor that glows yellow and some tonfas, he'll be fine. Do you know what? That was the moment where I knew that this film was terrible now (laughs) i knew that very early on but that was the that was yeah that was just putting the nail in the coffin right there for me if you had any hope left that's when it escaped your body left the cinema fucked off down the road and jumped in the sea (laughs) yep that was that moment where i just couldn't give a crap anymore and my investment in that film was completely out the door because they led you to believe that this Cole Young feller 
was going to be a descendant, well, is a descendant of Scorpion. So your natural outlook on it is that he's going to be the new Scorpion. And his powers were going to be like Scorpions, you know, the Hellfire, the the skeleton face and the, the yellow outfit. And then out of nowhere gets gold, shiny, yellowy armor. And I don't even know what the weapons were. They look like fucking police batons with painted gold and put blades on the end. I don't know what that was. And we were supposed to be sold by that? And that was the reason why Goro was taken down? Goro? Like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a car crash. <laughs> and Goro doesn't speak, I don't think. I don't think he even has a single line of dialogue. I think he just roars and mutters. Yeah, they just turned him into a big angry beast, which is not mm. what a Shokan, which is Goro's race, is. And it just really irritates me. Like you say, you could do an entire film about their race about the different yep. hierarchy, their structures. I mean, there are whole comic books from the 90s that literally were devoted to Prince Goro, his father, and obviously their relationship with Kintaro, the half-tiger one, because they're mm -hmm. a lower caste. And, and we sound like complete not nerds, but the point we're trying to make is that it ain't just as simple, oh, there's two dudes in an arena and they fight. That's what it started out as, but that's not what it is anymore. But anyway, we've already had that rant. Second question is, Although the fights weren't up to spec, did you like and what are your thoughts on the fatalities that we got in the film? I'll be I'll be honest here. It's one of the things in the film I actually enjoyed. Um I liked the fatalities in the film. I thought they were they were fatalities. Now they were sometimes on the nose and out of nowhere, and you weren't expecting them, and that's that's fine. Like I don't expect to see a fatality at a certain moment, but I do think they were done well, but it also felt in this film and the cheesiness that it is, it just didn't fit for me. You know, there wasn't enough um, heavy hitting scenes and moments and drama in the film that really sold a gory ending to a character. I just felt like it was just thrown in there for the sake of having fatalities because it's Mortal Kombat and it can't be without somebody's head being split into two or something like that. Yeah. But it was done well and you knew that there was a lot of imagination put into the fatalities and a little bit of research put into that. But as I've said, the characters and all that, I just wasn't invested enough for the, for the fatalities to hit as hard as they should, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the one that I remember the most vividly is uh, Kung Lao's spinning hat saw blade and he just pulls someone along and saws them in half, which obviously is taken straight from the games. But I can't tell you who that was done to. I've got a funny no. feeling it was to a generic monster from when they were all attacking. And like you said, that's kind of the problem is fatalities are the finishing moves. They're supposed to be the end of a great fight. The one that did work was uh, Liu Kang turning into the, the dragon and fighting Cabal or Cabal. But it's again, it was kind of like, well, yes, but uh, Cabal was like the only other cool character you had kind of wanted him to survive not you know whatever the other one was called <laughs> yeah i think you see what the fatalities is it's it's almost the end of a character this is i think if they were going to introduce a fatality and you had two characters that were already like we were already invested in whatever now we weren't invested in any of the characters in this film but say we were invested in these characters and it was this this, this fight yeah you were anticipating a battle and somebody had to lose because it's moral combat somebody has to lose so when the when the fatality hits, and as gory and glorious as it is, it has to hit not just on a, a physical 
um, way, but in an emotional way for the viewer as well. So it's saying goodbye to a character because the character's dead. They ain't coming back, you know? Yeah, well, that's the other problem, isn't it? At the end of the film, Shang Tsung snapped away all of the bodies and was like, death is but another portal. And it was like, oh, okay, so death doesn't matter. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, like, how can you, like... You just there's that means there's just no sense of loss in 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 this world. Then you know when a character goes, it's like ah, he's not dead. It's like it's basically Goku and Dragon Ball Z. Yep. Oh, Goku's dead again. Oh well, he'll he'll be back in the next season. It's it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, get the Dragon Balls, Ma. We gotta we gotta (laughs) go on a quest again. (laughs) Yeah, we're going on a road trip again. You know, that's 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 what they think they're they're doing then, and I don't like that because. I think loss is a good thing when it comes to films like this because it creates impact. And if that's not there, then the fatalities are just there for the sake of having them there, you know? I, I think the problem is is that they probably looked at the last two Mortal Kombat games where obviously a, a significant portion of the cast dies and uh, they then realized, oh, we kind of still need them to be playable, so how are we going to get around that? I know, we'll have them be Nether Realm uh shades i think they're called or they're netherrealm demons anyway but they're like the their souls trapped in these weird half demonic forms and they're still look like them but they're like dark and edgy like their emo phase is still kicked in and i think that's where they're gonna go with this i think they're gonna like kung lao for example i don't think he's dead i th- I think shang Tsung's gonna bring him back as his like right hand man and i mm. think in the next film I can almost see it in my mind. It's going to be Liu Kang versus Kung Lao because they mm. set Kung Lao up as the best of the Shaolin. So Liu Kang is going to become the best after he beats him. You know, it's it's uh, it, I can see what they're trying to do. It's just it doesn't excite me. Like you said earlier, there's no investment. There's no. Oh, I really want to see that. It's more like, oh, that's what they're going to do, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And that's that's another thing, really. Like I was even though. When I got to the point where they introduced Kung Lao, I was still excited to see a live action Kung Lao. You know, I was I was really excited because overall he looked cool and it, it was Kung Lao, but it just wasn't there wasn't enough build up to that for me to be wanting to see more of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you had the Shaolin monks and they were finally together and there was a live action form of them. But the Shaolin monks can have their own movie, man. There's so much to do with the Shaolin monks. I mean, they had their own game, so... Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's... I just think if the characters were given the time and day and the treatment they deserve, I think it'd be so much different. It would be so much different seeing them together, you know? Um, But there is elements of the film, like I said, I liked... Uh, I liked Sub-Zero. I liked Scorpion. I love that scene with Sub-Zero and Jax and how he freezes his arms and then Jax loses his arms. That scene, like that was a fatality without actually being fatal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just, the the scenes with, with Sub-Zero were, they were great. They were actually fantastic and it worked so, so well. But you can't have little bits of good stuff in this film to make up for it. There's just too much bad in the film that even these scenes are not enough to carry the film. And I think maybe they were expecting these scenes to carry the film, but that it's it, it, it wasn't, it just wasn't. No. And it's the same as like, I, I think I know why they did it. I think they were trying to avoid having the characters that everybody's super familiar with be the main characters again. But like, 
you know, Sonya Blade was actually probably one of the better characters in the film because, but yep, again, she spent the whole film trying to become Sonya Blade. But on the flip side, I have to constantly remind myself that Raiden was even in this film and Raiden is the Thunder God. He's supposed to be one of the strongest, you know, the protector of Earthrealm. And yet, all right, he was in this film. That's right. Because he gave them a glow stick at one point and then it pretty much immediately failed. You know, that's like, that's not Raiden. But this is the thing, though. Raiden is literally the Nick Fury of the MK universe. Like, he ga- he gathers the, the fighters for Mortal Kombat. Like, it, I just can't stress this enough. Mortal Kombat can be like the MCU if they make it. Like, they really, really can. You have a load of characters. You have one character that brings them all together for one main thing. And that's Mortal freaking Kombat. And, oh, it's just Raiden. The fact that you mentioned him there, I actually completely forgot to even talk about Raiden. Because, as you said, it's hard to remember that he was even in the film. And he's the Thunder God. He's the reason why they're all there. But in this film, he's just there for the sake of being there. And that's it. You know what? He's exactly the same as Shang Tsung. He has maybe one scene in the film where he does something and that's it. Then he's just he's just there in the background because obviously Mm -hmm. later in the in the film, he uses his teleportation powers to basically make a fake Mortal Kombat tournament. But, you know, it's unofficial. It's like it's an underground tournament. But then as many other people have already pointed out, could he do that at any time? Did he not think that he could do that at any time? Could he not just teleport them to the top of a cliff and drop them? <laughs> like, hang on, where does the rules for his interference end and begin? This, this That just made... What? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is true. I guess you can argue the fact that Doctor Strange could have just placed a portal where Thanos' glove was and ripped his arm out. I mean, <laughs> there's always going to be that level of a plot hole somewhere but i understand what you're saying like he's raiden he's a thunder god like these henchmen i want to call him in the film he could have single-handedly eliminated all of them if he wanted to um but then you could argue the fact maybe he got these fighters to prove themselves and that's what this was about that's why he didn't interfere he wanted them to find themselves to be fair he doesn't interfere because you know again this is this is one of the biggest problems that I think every adaptation has had to to fight against is Raiden is forbidden from interfering because the whole point is that it's a mortal combat. The flaw with that is that Midway, back in the day, and now Netherrealm, but same people ultimately, they've never followed that rule because Raiden's been a playable character from day one, and you fight monsters and sorcerers and demons spawn. So, um... Who exactly are these mortals, and when will they be showing up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Um, oh man, it's it's sort of pity. I'm so like, I, I I'm glad we done this because it's so nice to talk to somebody that is just as passionate as I am when it comes to Mortal Kombat as a franchise, the story, and the characters. Because there's so many people that watch. Mortal Kombat movies just for the sake of a good cheesy fight scene and it's nice to know that on the receiving end somebody can understand the pain as a viewer and as a fan I had to go through in watching this film and it's weird when this film came out there was some sort of sixth sense within me saying don't watch it and I didn't I literally only watched it a couple of months ago and 
I'm so glad I didn't go see it anywhere else or pay money to go see it. And to be honest with you, I'm glad it's just it. All I can say is I wish it was be- it was better. I wish it was a completely different film. But at the same time, there's nothing I can do. It's happened. It's made. All we can do, we can sit and complain here all about it. Who's going to listen to us? Well, whoever watches this podcast or listens to this podcast, of course. But anybody else, like the directors, the people in the industry, don't care. They don't care. As long as they're making their money, it, it doesn't bother them at all. Yes. Yes. And if you are listening, uh, Lewis Tan, um, you did a great job. Just you're stuck in a poor film playing a character that didn't exist in the games. But other than that, I agree with what TV Geek said. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, though. It doesn't come down to the actors. It, it it doesn't come down to the the props or the people, the costume designers, all that stuff. It comes down to the people that are in charge and what the writers put together and the boardroom and what was going on in there. I feel like the talent in this was very much there. They just didn't know what to do with the, with the talent that they had. They just didn't. It was the same with Andrew Garfield in the Amazing Spider-Man films. <laughs> you have a phenomenal actor, a great person, very, very talented. You just didn't know what to do with them. I like the way that all roads lead to Garfield. (laughs) (laughs) That's who needs to play Johnny Cage. (laughs) Yep, there you go. That's our Johnny Cage right there. I'll go see that. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, I think that has come to a natural conclusion there. Do you have anything else you'd like to say before you uh, disappear back into your uh, content creator vault? No, to be honest, it was nice to do this because I wanted to get this off my chest. And this is, as you stated before, this is no shade on any of the people involved in the film. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of good ideas, um, poorly executed. At the end of the day, it just comes down to who's in charge and what the studios want out of whatever franchise they're working on. There is a lot of elements of Mortal Kombat 2021 that I love. I love the fact that we got a Mortal Kombat film anyway in the first place because my hope for a live-action Mortal Kombat film was almost depleted. But we got something, and I'm happy with that. And I enjoyed talking about this with you, and I hope the viewers enjoyed, even though it felt like I was ranting all the time. But this, as I said, comes from a place of passion and a place of knowledge. And when something that you're so passionate about doesn't get the respect and the treatment it deserves, it can be... It can be disheartening, but I am hopeful still for Mortal Kombat and its future. And I hope that maybe the reception that this film got is an eye opener for the future and the sequel. And we might actually see something great in the very near future. Yes, that is very well said. And and I agree, folks. Look, I know that um, in general, the action Twitter community and, and I think fans of film in general, there's a whole market out there for negative takes there's a whole market out there for rage clicks there's you know hate bait especially on youtube i mean it doesn't take Mm -hmm. five minutes to find massive amounts of views on negative videos and Mm -hmm. positive videos even from the same creators get two-thirds of the engagement Mm -hmm. but that's not what we're we're saying and i think something as well that often gets lost is just because you don't enjoy a film expressing the fact that you didn't enjoy it doesn't mean you're hating it doesn't mean that you're now the enemy. It doesn't mean that you're the bad guy. Like, don't be afraid to say when you don't personally like something. Because in this case, especially, you're not alone. But in general, you like what you like and you, you don't like what you like. The the trick is to just not take shit personally 
and to not say it in such a derogatory way that you're being harmful to somebody else. Like, that's not what we're saying and that's not what we're doing. But I think it's really important in this day and age to try and understand the difference because a lot of people don't. And I agree with you. I hope that the sequel does succeed and, and finds ways to improve. And I have enjoyed talking to you for all of the same reasons. And I thank you for coming yep. on the podcast. Um, hopefully, pleasure. hopefully you can come back again and we'll Definitely. find, we'll find something that you do like and get yep. that same passion, but you know, in, in the other way, <laughs> exactly in the, in the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> yes. But that is going to be it for me and from Brendan. So well, thank you once again, Tim, for joining me, but this is going to be it. I will now throw you over back to me in the future to give you the outro, to tell you anything that uh, needs to be said since this recording and what's going to be on next week. All right, so there you go, guys. That was us talking about Mortal Kombat. Uh, we do kind of go all over the place, but that was kind of what we wanted to do. It was actually Brendan's suggestion that we do Mortal Kombat, and we had a lot of fun, like I said. Hopefully, he will be back on in the future. I know that we have some plans to cover a couple of other franchises in a similar way and where we are talking about one film in particular, but we also want to reference previous stuff because it's relevant. But I also think there's more that could be said about Mortal Kombat as a whole. Uh, if Brendan isn't coming back for that, I might do that on my own, but that's going to be way off into the future, so we've got plenty of time to organize. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us. I know that uh, many folks in the action community might not be familiar with him, but... As you could hear, he's very, very passionate about Mortal Kombat. And like us, he grew up on the Hong Kong action films, and he's a very big martial arts guy. And he and I have known each other for years, so it was a real good treat to have him on the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to when he comes back. As for next week, though, we're going to be staying in the year 2021 because we're going to have a interesting discussion about Cop Shop. Now... Cop Shop is a film that I wanted to do an episode on before I'd actually seen it. So, yeah. The, next week's is also going to be an interesting episode because I didn't love it as much as other people did. However, our special guest for next week, Wendy, she did love it. So, I think you're going to enjoy next week because we come at it from two different places. And uh, just like with our Hydra episode with Mike, it's always nice to have two different voices discussing what they thought worked, what they thought didn't work, and maybe aspects of the film that could have been expanded upon or could have been lessened in order to, you know, make it different, make it better. But overall, you've got to work with what you've got. And yeah, I can't wait for you to hear it, guys. But that's going to be it for right now. Thank you so much for listening to the very end of the show. Thank you for getting into the action with me. And I will see you in the next one. Stay safe, guys. Take care of yourselves. See you next week. On the action